Do you wonder how the ancient truth of the Bible intersects with today's news? Do you believe in God's promises to the people and the land of Israel? Welcome to the Lone Star Podcast, a weekly conversation to expand your mind and encourage your soul. Our hosts live in the two Lone Star states, Rabbi Dove Lipman in Israel and Pastor Trey Graham in Texas. This podcast is your opportunity to learn the truth about the God of Israel from two people who love Israel. Please follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new weekly episodes are ready. You ready to be encouraged? Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham. We do welcome you back to the Lone Star Podcast. I'm always glad to join with my rabbi friend, Dove Lipman. This is Pastor Trey Graham in Texas, and we get to bring our listeners every week a way to learn about modern-day Israel, current events in the Holy Land, and study the weekly Torah portion together as we discuss the Bible. Rabbi Lipman, how are you, my friend? Hey, God, I'm doing great. hope you had a safe trip back. We did. We just returned from the Holy Land, a beautiful trip to Israel I always love coming to the land. It's uh, always a privilege to go and to learn, and now as the tour leader to teach people the Bible in the land where it was written, and we often get to see you as a personal friend. It's great to renew friendships and make new friendships, and I want to help our listeners on this podcast understand why we go to the land as American Christians and what we learn from it, but I want you as the Israeli who lives there who has to deal with all the traffic and all the congestion because all these tourists show up. Is that a plus or a minus for the people of Israel? Well, I have to tell you, we celebrated this year over 3 million tourists coming to Israel, and it was a big deal in the news. Do you hear very much in America about how many people have come to visit this place or the other? In Israel, it's big, big news that people are coming. We embrace it. We love it. Uh, it gives us strength. It gives us a sense of conviction. And there's an inspiration as well, because when I see the excitement on your face and the people that you come with and so many other visitors, as they walk around and see the Bible come to life, I think it reminds us of something that we take for granted, that, oh my goodness, we are walking in the place where our biblical heroes walked and lived and breathed, and to recognize that we have the opportunity to walk in their footsteps uh, is something which we need to be reminded of, and, and you know, we see it on your face every time you come and all the people with you, and so it's certainly something that we very much celebrate. And I have to imagine that as, as Christians, there's a, there's a drive to experience that uh, as well. Of course, there is this joy to get to see your Bible come to life. We use the cliche that the Word of God goes from black and white to color. And we use the phrase, walk where Jesus walked. And that's exactly what we get to do. And you've discussed this about your Jewish heritage, that your ancestors wanted to go back to the land but could not because of either economics or military or political reasons. Well, for our Christian ancestors who learned about the land of the Bible by reading the Bible, they didn't have the privilege for centuries that they could get on an airplane and be over there in just a matter of hours and stay in a nice hotel and ride around in a nice air-conditioned bus. And we have the privilege to live in the generation where we get to do this. 
We get to see this up close and personal. And Rabbi, you know this, and I'll tell our podcast listeners, I'm a follower of Jesus, and my Jesus was a Jew who lived in the land of Israel, who was a student of the Torah, who lived according to the Bible, who lived according to the Word of God. I believe he is the Savior of the world. But his earthly life, he was a Torah-observant Jew in the land of Israel. And the more I get to spend time with people like Rabbi Dove Lippmann, Torah-observant Jews in the land of Israel, the better I can understand Jesus. And as a pastor, the better I can teach Jesus to our church members. Our listeners will know a little bit about our church, maybe, at First Melissa, that we teach with a lot of graphs and charts and drawings and timelines and maps and photographs from all of my visits to the Holy Land. We use them in our teaching sermons because we have a visual world who learns by seeing, and all these places that we visit in the trips that we go on, we get to teach the Bible stories and then say, oh, by the way, I've been there, and Rabbi, just so you'll know, my first trip to Israel, I took more than 4,000 pictures. I have absolutely no doubt uh, about that. And that's the beauty of Israel. The beauty of Israel is you can have people of different faiths who might have theological uh, differences of opinion about certain things, but every one of them can celebrate Israel as as the Holy Land. And uh, that's the remarkable thing, and the state of Israel is so proud that we're the one country in the Middle East that provides freedom of religion for everyone to come and worship and connect, and there's security at the holy sites, and there's upkeep of the, of the holy sites, and, and to make sure that every single faith can come here and, and connect and worship. And I, I often think to myself, you know, what would my great-great-grandparents have given up to be able to breathe the air of Jerusalem, just to breathe the air of Jerusalem for 10 minutes? And here it is. It's, it's, it's right in front of us for the taking. And I certainly encourage all of your listeners and followers to, to come, come on one of your trips, come in general, uh, make Israel uh, a, a part of your lives, not just in belief or uh, over the Internet, but in real life and experience it. There is nothing like opening up the Bible, going to the story of David and Goliath, and literally seeing in front of your eyes the valley where it took place and seeing how it all plays out. And this is something which happens throughout Israel, in, in Jerusalem area, in the Jerusalem hills, towards the Galilee, anywhere you go, Beersheba in the south, you will see the Bible come to life, and it, it, it will transform you. And that's what I see in your eyes, in the eyes of the people who come with you, your delegations, as they walk around this holy land. You can travel to Hawaii, you can go to Europe, you can go to the Far East, and those are all beautiful places and wonderful tourist spots to relax and see some beautiful sights. But there's only one place where you can go where you bring your Bible with you, and I sit you down at a place and say, now read this scripture and then look over there. And see, that's where this happened. And you begin to get geography in your mind and spaces in your mind. I remind our listeners of the story of what's called the Last Supper, the day before Jesus went to the cross. He had a meal with his disciples in the upper room. And then he leaves the upper room and he goes to what's called the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives. And too many American Christians read their Bible and they think, well, they just opened the door of the upper room and right there in the backyard was the Garden of Gethsemane. But when you take that hike that's about a mile and a half or so across the city of Jerusalem, down the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives, and you see how things that you thought were close together are far apart, things that you might have thought were far apart are actually close together, I really think you become a better student of the Bible when you see the geography. Absolutely. And uh, certainly, you know, for us to see 
you know, we share the stories, of course, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then you move on to King David and King Solomon, and and see the places where these stories took place, see how it played out, understand, oh, he was standing over here, and that's what he saw over there. Now that story makes sense. Oh, this was a trip of an X number of days. I didn't realize it was that far or that close in certain cases. Just see it all play out in front of your eyes and see all these ancient names, ancient biblical names that are no longer ancient, that are the names of the modern state of Israel. The cities, uh, in the city where I live, Beit Shemesh, is mentioned outright in a few places uh, in the Bible, and there are stories that are associated with it related to the Ark of the Covenant and, and Samson, and, and it's just, it, it, I, really, the times you have to pitch yourself to realize, from my, in my case, that I live here, but certainly people who visit here uh, will have the same experience. One of the things that I think might be unique about not only our trips to the Holy Land, but also this podcast, is we do our best to connect the dots between ancient Israel and modern Israel. We do that here on the podcast when we talk about news items and current events and then read the scripture together. But also on our trips to Israel, we introduce you to the Bible stories and the Bible characters and places. But we also let you meet people like Rabbi Dove Lippman. We take you to the Knesset. We take you to places where the IDF, the Israeli military, is operating or let you get to know some of the leading thinkers and, and politicians and journalists from the land because I want our American Christian audience to understand what's going on in the modern land as well as the ancient because Israel didn't stop when the Bible stopped. It's a modern country with modern struggles about traffic and water and pollution and education and politics and all of those things. And we get to see God's prophecies being fulfilled in front of our very eyes as the modern state struggles to live out what God has promised them. And that's part of the miracle as well, to see taking the ancient and the biblical and transform it into a modern society. And Israel is known as the startup nation with all the technology that's coming out of here. We're very much a part of the 21st century, but also back thousands of years ago. And that's, that's really the remarkable story. Uh, of Israel, that you have both together, and you can experience both together. And certainly for me, having been part of the government and trying to figure out how to navigate leadership uh, in this time, and also preserve what does it mean to be a Jewish state in our ancestral and biblical homeland, but also apply it to modern-day issues uh, that come up. But I will tell you this, there is nothing like being in the Knesset, and uh, on the Inauguration Day, as an example, they concluded with somebody getting up and reciting the Psalms, and you think to yourself, Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. A few thousand years ago, King David sang these psalms just a few miles from where we're standing right now in the Knesset. Uh, it really just brings it uh, all together in terms of the old and the new, the biblical and the modern, and there's no contradiction between the two, and they actually uh, can enhance one another. And Rabbi, before we get to the parasha, the weekly Torah portion in a moment, I think I want you to do for our podcast listeners what you do for our visitors in the land, and that is you say thank you for coming. Not just, I hope you have a good trip or, you know, learn your Bible, but you, you actually appreciate the visitors coming, especially the Christian believers. Why do you say thank you? The, the thanks comes from a few places. Uh, first of all, you know, I don't even know if the listeners realize how isolated Israel feels. You know, you're probably people who pray for Israel, who worry for Israel, who read about Israel, and you might feel that, you know, Israel is, receives that support worldwide. We don't. Uh, we're very isolated um, in so many international bodies and governments. And to have people who come and say, we want to be here to show that we're with you, that in and of itself, before we talk about anything else, 
is the greatest message. As we see the tour buses going around, you see the tourists walking around, you feel embraced. You feel uh, that, that someone's there with you, even during the difficult times. And that's the greatest reason uh, for thanks. Uh, aside from that, obviously, economically, more people are coming, more people are visiting. That helps us. Israel's a country which spends more money on defense in terms of its percentage of its budget than any other country in the world uh, because of the constant threats that surround us at all times. I mean, just imagine if the United States was functioning with Canada and Mexico as its arch enemy is determined to destroy it. Imagine living in Texas with a Mexico with an armed army determined to attack you and to destroy you. That's the reality we live in, and therefore every bit of uh, financial and economic help that comes makes a big difference to a country which is, has, is spread very, very thin. But then finally, the thanks is also for the spiritual kinship. It's not just the physical bodies that come here, but you come here and you pray and you connect. And even if, though we have the differences that we have in terms of uh, theological beliefs, we are united in the core uh, Judeo-Christian ethic. And that's something which gives us a tremendous sense of purpose as we're here. So on all of these levels, we, we feel that thanks and there can never be Enough. There can never be, okay, we've reached the peak. The more people that come, the better. And the more people that come and bless us, I don't have a doubt, as is promised in Genesis 12, they walk away with blessing as well. Amen. We believe in our church, and I believe in my own family and my own life. Genesis 12, 3, the Lord said to Abraham about his descendants, I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse. And in you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I believe that. I live that every day because I get the privilege to have friendships with people like Dove Lippman. And one of the privileges we have is to study the Word of God together. And we discuss on this podcast each week the parashah, the Hebrew word for the Torah portion, where the Jews gather together and many Christians around the world to study a specific Bible passage every week. And this week's parashah is called Vayashev, and it comes from Genesis chapters 37 through 40. And the topic is going to be about Joseph and the family line that has come through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And when we get to Genesis chapter 37, Joseph, one of his sons, has trouble because he is the favorite son. He is sold into slavery because there's been favoritism and his older brothers are jealous. He's been sold into slavery. He ends up being bought by these Midianites, this group of people who are traveling along. And Joseph, who is Israeli, he's a Jew. He lives in the promised land. He ends up down in the land of Egypt as a slave. And I think we begin with the topic of what do you do in your spiritual walk when life goes badly? When you end up in a place or a circumstance you didn't want, how do you remain faithful? This story, uh, you know, the, the, the writing from God that describes this, that it is, is so dramatic. Joseph is all alone. He's far away. He has every reason to be disconnected spiritually. He's in a situation where he's alone. No one will know about it. There was no internet in those times, no cell phones, nothing to worry about. And he has a situation of temptation, and when it's all said and done, he digs in deep and he recognizes truth. It's him and God, and God is there with him. He can be far away from the land of Israel, far away from his family, far away from anyone, but he's there with God, and he has to be at peace with his God, and, and he rises to the occasion. And what's incredible about the story is all the blessing that comes to him because of that. 
because he ends up being in prison. The ends up negative things seem to be happening, and it all turns around. And this ends up leading to his ascension to being the ruler of Egypt, and, and incredible good things that come. But it comes with patience. It doesn't come immediately. You know, sometimes we're looking for immediate gratification and immediate reward. And I did the right thing. Where's the Lord? Why isn't He blessing me? But we know that in the long run, a person who sticks with their faith, a person who does the right thing, that person will be uh, rewarded in the end. And that's exactly what this story captures. And I have no doubt that that's a Christian value and Christian uh, belief as well. We talk often about the concept of blessing follows obedience. Blessing does not come to those who demand it. It comes to those who are given it by the Lord. And he blesses those who show obedience and faithfulness to him. We are studying the Torah portion called Vayashev, and that means, and he lived. And it comes from the first verses, the first words of this section, Genesis 37 through Genesis 40. And when we talk about Joseph being in the jail in Egypt for a crime he didn't commit, and he stayed faithful to the Lord, and he remained a man of integrity, he remained a man of character. And the verse that I want us to ponder for a moment comes from Genesis 39, verse 23. This is when Joseph is in the jail cell, and he is made the caretaker. He's made the leader of the other inmates, the other prisoners, because the warden, the jailer, feels he is responsible as a leader. In verse 23 of Genesis 39, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And I think we need to, to debate this point. Our listeners might be saying, well, hold on a minute. He was hated by his brothers. They wanted to kill him. They decided not to kill him, but instead to sell him as a slave because they could make a little money off of him. He's traded around as a slave. He ends up as a slave in Egypt. He's accused of false crimes. He's put in jail. And now he's sitting in jail as an innocent man. And yet we read in verse 23, God gave him success in whatever he did. This doesn't sound like success. And that's where the patience comes into play. Meaning uh, we do not believe that uh, you do a good deed and all of a sudden some kind of light will come shining down on you and some kind of gift will come raining from heaven. Very often, actually, the opposite happens. You might actually even have more challenges and greater difficulty and greater strife. But we know that at the end of the story, whenever that is, that's where God's grace uh, will come shining down on you. And in this moment, he might not have seen that he was having success, but God has a plan. And God is bringing him towards that success. And God is setting things in motion so that when his brothers will have to come down to Egypt in a time of famine, he's going to be there uh, as their supporter, and he'll be able to provide for them. And this is all God's plan coming together. So the success doesn't have to be defined as what we see at that moment as success. But we know that it's God's plan. God is with you if you're with him. And things ultimately will work out in a way where you'll look back and you'll say, now I see why that was called success. When we talked a moment ago about blessing follows obedience, one of the examples of Joseph being obedient comes from earlier in Genesis chapter 39, when his boss's wife, this man was a ruler under the Pharaoh, his name was Potiphar. Potiphar's wife comes to seduce Joseph. She says, Genesis 39, verse 7, she says, come to bed with me. And the next verse says, but he refused. And then he said in verse 9 of Genesis 39, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? 
And I think a great reminder to all of us is the Lord is always watching. Our obedience to the Lord should be apparent in public ways, but also in private ways. If God has called us to live a righteous life, that means publicly and privately. And when the Lord blesses obedience, he blesses those who are trustworthy, those who are righteous, even in the private settings when we think no one is watching. Exactly. And we even have a concept. Um, the word is Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi Tamid, which means I put God before me always. And the commentaries explain that the way a person sits or acts when they're in front of other people, especially in front of kings and royalty, is not uh, the way we usually act when we're alone. But then the point is, but we should never feel that we're alone. We should always feel like we're the presence of the Lord, and that will impact everything that we do, even when we think that we're in the quote-unquote privacy of our own homes, uh, and it changes a person's life. And as we continue to talk about this week's parasha, let's look at Genesis 40 for a moment. There's the story where the cupbearer and the baker, these people are servants of the king of Egypt, whose title is Pharaoh. And then the Pharaoh has a dream and no one can interpret the dream. And they remember this guy, Joseph, who's this prisoner in the jail, that Joseph has been given by the Lord the ability to interpret dreams. And what I want to discuss for this moment is the idea of wisdom, that the Lord gives wisdom to those who look after him and, and follow after him because he is the all-knowing God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Psalms chapter 37, verse 30, the mouth of the righteous utter wisdom. Their tongues speak what is just. There are all kinds of verses in the scriptures about wisdom. James chapter 3 in the New Testament says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. James chapter 1 in the New Testament says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives to all generously and without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So the question for the rabbi is, how does a person seek wisdom, and what lesson can we learn from Joseph granted the ability to interpret these dreams, which could not have been a human intellectual ability, but had to be heavenly wisdom? King Solomon was given the right to choose and ask for anything that he wanted. You know, the age-old question of what you would do if you were given the right to anything. He asked for wisdom, and then as a result of that wisdom that he asked for, which God granted him, all the other blessings came in its wake. Wisdom, understanding, these are the things that ultimately define a human being. It's what separates us from uh, the animal world, the ability to understand and to reach the depths of something. And that comes from God. We say in our prayers... You give man knowledge, you give man wisdom, and then we ask God uh, to give us that wisdom. And the fact that Pharaoh saw Joseph and saw his wisdom and said, this is a man of God, that really establishes that idea. And sometimes we're guilty, especially in today's world where you can go on Google and get any piece of information, and, and there's so much information available to us and knowledge that's out there, we can convince ourselves that we're the ones who provide ourselves with that uh, wisdom and not understand that it's a gift that we're granted. And uh, it's something to always remind ourselves of. And this story really emphasizes that point, that Pharaoh saw Joseph's wisdom, certainly interpreting the dreams, uh, is something which comes from God, and it reminds us that everything that we have and all of our wisdom ultimately comes from God. Connect a few dots here between blessing and obedience and wisdom and prayer and 
seeking after the Lord. Proverbs 3 verse 13 says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. We read in Genesis 39, 23 that the Lord gave Joseph success. And we said, yeah, but he's sitting in a jail cell. That doesn't seem like success. But if you take success to mean wisdom or blessing or connection with the Lord, Proverbs 3, 13 Blessed are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding. Exactly. And that understanding, you know, we have to remember as well, not to live life in a, in a superficial manner where all you're dealing with is that which you see in front of you. If, if that's the way you live your life, you're not going to have spirituality. You're not going to have faith. You're not going to be thinking about uh, things beyond uh, just the physical realm. The depth of understanding and wisdom is to recognize that there's far beyond that and to recognize the wisdom of the Bible and not just look at it as a series of simple stories, but plumb the depths of it, see its words, see its different possible meanings in terms of the layers uh, that it has. That's also, we wake up every morning and we bless God that we have the ability to study the Bible. It's called the Birkat, Birkat Torah, uh, blessings of the Torah that we can study and asking God for his help and making sure that we study properly and understand properly, because wisdom ultimately uh, is the key to God and is the key to spirituality, and that's how it really all comes together in our faith. So I think I will finish my conversation today with repeating James chapter 1, verse 5 from the New Testament. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. My prayer for myself, my prayer for my rabbi friend, my prayer for my church members, my prayer for my wife and my children is that we would find wisdom. And because we're human beings, we always lack wisdom. So let's ask the Lord to give it to us more than riches, more than fame, more than power, the things the world offers. Let's seek the Lord and let's seek wisdom today. I'm not even going to say anything other than amen. That you said it just right, and then we can share that prayer together, and let's hope that God shines his light on all of us uh, with that great wisdom. Rabbi, my friend, it was wonderful to see you in the Holy Land. Look forward to seeing you in America soon, and it's always great to have this conversation. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom to you, and looking forward to seeing you both in Texas, but also back in the Holy Land soon. Thank you for joining us for the Lone Star Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new episodes are ready. Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham next time to expand your mind and encourage your soul. May the Lord bless you and draw you to himself this week.